Welcome back to another episode of The Art of Giving a Damn. Today, the guest that I will be interviewing went from nearly bankrupt to a millionaire in less than five years. If that's got your attention, I want you to meet Daniel. He's the co-founder of Future Money Trends. You can find it at futuremoneytrends.com. We're going to talk more about that in a minute. But he's a self-made millionaire, a full-time fact finder, and a father of three. You launched your business way back in 2010. Tell us about how you fell into that, Daniel. You know, I got very lucky. It was my hobby. I was always interested in finance and money, never materialism, just the money, how to make it, how to create it. And I started a YouTube channel in 2008 talking about the economy. YouTube didn't even own it at the time. And um, it kind of all snowballed from there. I was one of the only people talking about the finances and the economy Uh and Lehman Brothers before it happened. And then um, the channel took off, and it came down to my wife's motivation of saying, hey, uh, you've Mm -hmm. got a big audience here. Let's convert this to a newsletter. So I didn't quit my job. She was a teacher. And so in 2010, um, my partner and I, who's my cousin, uh, we founded Future Money Trends, and we just, with the goal of just basically having a personal finance letter for the new economy. I love that. And at this point, your platform is growing every day. You've got almost 150,000 subscribers. Yeah, and that's just one of the letters, the main hub, Future Money Trends. There are now five different letters with different editors, all with the same goal, the objective of providing content uh, that we ourselves are actively involved in. So whether we're buying single-family houses or stocks, we're just simply sharing the things that we've discovered that we think are uh, going to be beneficial to people. I love that. Yeah, one of the things that I noticed was just the variety. Like, you guys aren't focused on specifically buy Bitcoin. It's the only way to get rich or invest in real estate. But you've really got a variety of choices for people to look at and figure out what are those income streams that will work for me. Yeah, and we have a heavy focus on cash flow. We really believe mm-hmm. most most of your efforts should be focused on building up multiple streams of income, bringing in cash flow. You can speculate with 5% or less, but, you know, most people there, if you look at what they're doing, they're simply just hoping things will go up. I like bringing in cash flow. Try to pay some bills. Make it real. Don't just compound it for yourself 70 years later. Go spend some of that money and enjoy mm-hmm. it and, uh, you know, live a, a, a financially prosperous life, which ultimately wealth is about you're going to control your time. Can you control your time? To me, that's the ultimate freedom. Yeah. You know, it's it's interesting because so many times when we focus just on that financial number, we end up kind of building a prison for ourselves where we have less time, less energy, less freedom. And I think that's one of the reasons that uh, your approach caught my attention with it. Yeah. No, it's true. Uh, The the focus on money is, is really a distraction. The money is just a tool for what you're ultimately going to want, and that's to be able to spend time with the people you love, those relationships, as well as to being able to have that time. I'll, I'll tell you, I just got back from a trip in, with, in, in Italy, and um, the guides were having us wake up every morning. It was really funny because, you know, just the kids, they're homeschooled, they're here with me and my wife, and uh, just waking up to alarm, everybody's complaining. I'm like, you guys, this is like what I'm trying to teach you to avoid. You know, but we're, we're doing it on vacation, so it's a little different. But still, you know, that just losing that alarm clock, if anybody can just, you know, relate with me on that one, I know a lot of you can. That's, uh, it's, it's one of the luxuries of using money as a tool. I love that. I'm actually, I'm writing that down. I think that may be our, our show title, How to Lose Your Alarm Clock. Uh, <laughs> that's such a great way to express the freedom that comes with knowing your cash flow streams. And this is something that, you know, as I looked at your story, You've kind of been through some roller coaster 
um, in terms of, of your own personal finance, you know, your website has that, that headline of you went from nearly bankrupt to millionaire in less than five years. So how did, how did you, I guess, end up five years ago? Talk to us about where you were at and what shifted for you. Sure. So I, I, I got to experience a lot of financial success when I was young because I had bought houses when I was 18 and 19 and 20, but I was in Southern California, year 2000, blew myself up in 2008, uh, confused the bull market with brains, and um, you know, totally imploded. All the money I had made in real estate, lost it and gave back some more. And then we were in a bankruptcy attorney's office, never filed bankruptcy, and that was really where we decided the focus was almost not to be poor, not even trying to get rich at that point. Yeah. And um, within less than five years, we had gone from broke to a net worth of a million dollars and ultimately a passive income to, to pay all of our bills, which I, I believe is real financial independence. Yeah. And we did it this way. We did it by, by really drastically in, uh, decreasing and slashing our expenses and a combination of only buying things that provided income. That was very hard because, remember, think about when you're in a 401K or stocks. You're not normally buying things for income. So right. it was only buying things for income and, and cutting the expenses. I mean, from getting rid of our dogs uh, to selling my wife's wedding ring to pay off our cars uh, to oh. shopping at discount grocery stores to almost going vegetarian to save money. I mean, we were uh, drastic with our, our slashing of expenses. Wow, yeah, that's that's a pretty big shift in in mindset in the way you look at putting your money to work for yourself. Sure, and it doesn't always have to be that way. Don't think I'm living like that now. Now I, I live a pretty good life. Yeah. But to get there, to build that foundation, mm-hmm. we called it our financial moat, that we wanted to defend ourselves against poverty, aggressively paying off the house, and buying a very cheap house. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you consider that at the time – um, you know, well, first of all, let me just tell you where I was from in Southern California. You know, all my friends were living in homes for five hundred, six hundred thousand dollars closer to the beach. Yeah. Uh, we, my wife and I had pur- purposely moved away, an hour away to the desert. We bought a house for ninety-five thousand um, dollars. That way, we could pay it off because we just said, "Okay, we got a paid-off house. Now we can focus on just building the wealth." And you know, it was doing some things that uh, you had. I had to go against societal peer pressure. You know, shopping for clothes, making sure my clothes are from Ross, making sure my, you know, my car was a 2003 Nissan Altima. When we declared where we had crossed that millionaire mark, yeah. I was still driving an 03 Altima. Even when I became a liquid millionaire, I was still driving that Altima. Wow. So that's, that's interesting because a lot of times people only focus on the other side of that as bring in more cash flow and they're not focused on how do I reduce expenses and get myself to a place where freedom is easier. People talk about that freedom number when it's a lower expenses number. It's easier to hit. Absolutely. You're, you're, that's a great point. So once the house was paid off, I had electricity and I had the grocery bill, very minor things. Okay, so now I actually re- reasonably, with not that much money, can create some sort of buffer. Okay, so now you... Now you're actually more liberated to go ahead and make some risks. You're more liberated to save more aggressively. You're probably motivated, by the way, too. The more you save, the more you invest. It snowballs on your set. You're getting excited. You know, Robert Kiyosaki always says getting rich is fun, and he's right. It is fun. Mm. 
Yeah, when you approach it that way, it definitely sounds like a lot more fun. So, you know, aside from the kind of getting in that space where you have your your base in place, um, how do you decide when you're looking at all these different options where to focus in terms of, you know, investing money so that, like you said, it's putting to work for you to bring in more income? It's a great question. And something I got very lucky uh, is I, I did have a mentor and I was able to learn that you want to mimic what the rich are doing. And the rich have a, an incredible advantage to the middle class and poor. The rich are already rich. So they invest in very safe things, very stable things, things that are not going away. The middle class and poor tend to rich to invest on things that are more speculative because they're trying to get rich overnight. They're trying to get rich quick. So if you actually look at what the rich invest in, they have a, you know, from the book Millionaire Next Door or Millionaire Mike, massive portfolios of U.S. real estate, massive portfolios of very boring stocks. No one's getting excited about owning Disney. But you got to remember, Disney's not going away. In 50 years from now, Disney's still running around doing its thing. So it's yeah. not so much the mindset of how much can I triple my money. Mm-hmm. It's, it's more of a preservation mindset with a steady flow of income. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. And I, I think if you don't grow up around that, if you're not already rich, it's, it's difficult to look around and know what to focus on. I think the mentoring thing is so important to find the people that can guide you through some of this. Um, that had to make a huge difference for you. Absolutely. It, it helped guide me. I mean, I was reading the books from Robert Kiyosaki when I was you know, 16, 17 years old. But to combine that with an actual mentor who was uh, you know, yeah. a successful business person was, was able to help guide me. So, I mean, if anybody has a chance... Great, but if you don't consider the fact that, you know, you go to Barnes & Noble, you've got Ray Dalio and Warren Buffett and Kiyosaki, all of them, those the Tony Robbins, the wealth of knowledge they can give you in their books or even YouTube. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's that's one thing that I'm, I'm thankful to be born in a time where, you know, I may not be able to go sit down and have dinner with Tony Robbins, but I can spend the next endless number of hours learning via YouTube and, and books and conferences from some of these people. And it's, uh, you know, steps in the right direction for, for all of us. You start somewhere. I love that when you were 16, you were reading these books. What what got you into that at such a young age? You know, I, I was always entrepreneurial. Uh, had that focus even at five years old and 10, my wow. mom had stories about me getting in trouble at school for selling things. Uh, but I, <laughs> I, you know, I, I just, you know, I forgot who gave me a book uh, when I was in martial arts. Somebody gave me a book called Want to Be Rich and Happy Don't Go to School by Robert Kiyosaki. It's actually his first book before the Rich Dad Poor, Poor Dad books. And of oh. course, you're, you're 13 years old and you're looking at a book with that title. You're like, yeah, this sounds like, like me. Like you hate school, that type of thing. I was never good in academics. And um, uh, anyway, so I started reading that book, and, I, and then and then he came out with the Rich Dad Poor Dad a few years later, and it was kind of honing my focus and saying, okay, there is another way, because I didn't have that example in my life outside of this one mentor that I'd see a few times a week. But otherwise, like everybody else in my family, was not entrepreneurial uh, focused. That's that's a great example of someone knowing how to speak the language of the people they're trying to reach. With the book, I had to write down that title. I have to go check that one out. Um, you know, you, you said a second ago that you didn't do great in school. And I think that's one of the things that surprises me and a lot of my listeners when I'm interviewing people who are 
uh, super successful. You've created an amazing business for yourself and an amazing portfolio. And yet we were even talking before we started recording here about, you know, some of the tech pieces that might not be our expertise. Uh, so it's not necessarily you've got to get straight A's or you've got to have an IQ of, you know, 200 uh, or some of those pieces that people sometimes look at successful investors or successful people financially. What would you say have been the two or three things that most contributed to your success? The, the most important thing, I mean, first of all, the equation of money is you have to deliver value to other people. Mm-hmm. But what you really want to do is you want to over-deliver. You want to give them more value than they're paying for. Mm-hmm. And I teach my kids all the time when we walk out of a Costco or a Disney, for example, uh, I'll ask them straight up. I said, did they over-deliver or did they under-deliver? And if it's Costco and Disney, the answer is almost always the same. They over-deliver, Dad. Mm-hmm. But then you go into a, perhaps another store and, you know, we just we were just in Italy. We walked out of a restaurant that didn't want to do a refund on a toy that broke within one minute. And I oh, said, wow. did they over-deliver or under-deliver? And the kids said they under-delivered. Mm-hmm. And that's it, guys. You have to over-deliver. And if you're just starting out in a business and you're trying to build it, Give things away to the most credible referral that will take whatever you're giving it to them. For example, if you're, if you're making something, um, give it to the Chamber of Commerce president or give it to Target or Best Buy. Because what you want is you want to be able to go to other people and say, look, here's this referral I have. I did this for Target. I did this for the president. So the two things I would say to the audience is, number one, over-deliver. And number two, make sure you either give away or over-deliver for the people you're going to be using as referrals to build out that business. That's fantastic. And I think a lot of times people miss, well, really both of those, but to start with the second one, that idea of most people I know who have built successful businesses, it only took getting a few really key referrals in place. And from there, things do start to snowball. You can point back to them. Absolutely. And you can fast track your success. Mm. Uh, but, you know, look, Let's, if you make a business, if you're doing business to business or a business to customer, let's say you're selling to a, a bride who's going to have her wedding, you're doing invitations. Even if you have to underprice it and overdeliver for that person, um, you, you have a great referral, and that's how you can snowball and build your business. That's awesome because in the long term, it really is worth it to get that referral. So you also mentioned giving more value than people paid for, and that's that's such an interesting thing that you're teaching your kids at such a, a young age to to watch for that. I love that. Yeah, it, it, it is truly the most important thing. If you're focused on money, you can make money. I promise you that. But if you focus on over-delivering, you're not even going to have to think about the money. The money's just going to come in. You know, customers, no matter what, who they are, whether it's a business or an individual, mm-hmm. whether you're selling a service or product, if you're over-delivering to those people, you're going to make money. By default, that's just the equation of money, how you make it. So over-deliver, separate yourself from others. And even if you're, if you're an employee, look, you, you over-deliver for your employer. That's what makes things, that's what makes people and incomes exceptional is when you over-deliver. Absolutely. Um, and that's, that's such a simple concept that as soon as you kind of get in that habit of always looking at things from that point of view, it becomes almost second nature to just make sure that you're always over-delivering. It's also fun to put your back against the wall if you over-promise because you're still going to over-deliver. There's nothing wrong with putting your back on the, against the wall for a customer and it'll, it'll unlock an, an, uh, the innovation in you and the creativity that 
I just promised this. I can't deliver it, but I'm going to have to. So ha- now you're going to have to piece it together because businesses have to evolve. If they're not evolving, they'll die. They're always changing. They're always reinventing themselves. So always keep that in mind as well. That is a fantastic tip to remember because that that's true. When our back is against the wall, that is when we're able to get creative and go, okay, what's a different way <laughs> that I can deliver on this? How else can I solve it? Yeah, that's when new services and products are born, right? Yes. Great creativity unlocks when your back's against a wall. So that's a that's a great shift in the way to look at that. Most of us, when our back's against the wall, we kind of go into that "oh, what have I done" mode. <laughs> but really, yeah, that's a great opportunity. Uh, so, one of the things I gotta ask you about, since it's on your website, is cryptocurrency, Bitcoin. For people who don't own it or who maybe have owned it and watched it go way up last year and way down again, what's your opinion on? It? Is it somewhere that entrepreneurs should be? focusing or looking at right now? I think, you know, first of all, we got involved in cryptocurrency when Bitcoin was $13. I saw the potential in it uh, mm-hmm. because I was also somebody who looked into economics and studying gold and silver. I'm like, this could be an independent currency. And even more important, this could be a way that we keep track of things like yeah. title insurance, different things. And I was like, this blockchain mm-hmm. could be something big. So it was a speculation. It still is yeah. to, this, to this day. But as far as entrepreneurs look, there's a lot, a lot of millennials and, and Generation Z that's been attracted to that space. I've been to the conferences, even though the, the cryptocurrencies are down, uh, the enthusiasm is, is high. And I'll never forget in 2012, I went to a conference. It's such smart people, entrepreneur, very freedom-minded people, tech-savvy people. And I was like, these people are all smarter than me. I'm buying it. And um, that's how I got involved. So as far as today, I think, look, if, if it's something you're attracted to, for sure, but I wouldn't force it because I'll be honest with you, it, is, it, it can be quite complicated. It, it, it is. It's interesting to watch, you know, because back in, I don't know, I think it's been about three, four years now since I started watching Bitcoin. And uh, it, it's one of those things that, like you said, when you see the smart people investing or paying attention to something, it's something to at least watch. I love the phrase, and I can't remember who says it, of never be the smartest person at the table. Yeah. And always surround yourself with those people who they're ahead of you in one way or another that you can really learn from and watch. And that goes back to what you said at the beginning about a mentor being so key to success really in finances or any other area in life. Yeah. I mean, when you saw the Winklevoss twins and Peter Thiel and all these people, Bill Gates speaking positively about it, I'm like, look, I may not fully get it, but I know these guys do. <laughs> that's that's a good barometer to use, even if you don't fully get it, if the smart people do. <laughs> yeah, that's good enough. I love that. So uh, a couple of more questions before we wrap here. One would be, um, what are just one or two next steps that you would give as advice for somebody who's listening to this and thinking, yeah, I want to get more intentional about how I'm investing or where I'm creating income for myself. Maybe right now it's just, you know, the 401k or certain passive streams of income as far as entrepreneurs go. What's the best way to look at next steps? You know, I think you, you need to put it on paper. You need to, just like your goals and objectives should be written out and maybe even spoken out loud. You need to have an idea of where you are. A lot of people don't even have a financial statement to understand where, where's my debts, where's my monthly obligations, how much comes in, because then it's just like solving a puzzle. You know, if your monthly expenses are here, you can lower them, and then you can also buy income from stocks or from real estate and bring it in to pay off certain things or pay off monthly bills. But you need to know where you are 
to see where you want to go. So I would say the first step is just to write down all your assets, all your liabilities, all your monthly obligations, and then to review it. And first of all, see where you can cut. And then on your investments, see if that's really where you want your investments to be. Because if it's just speculating and you're hoping that it's going to be there when you're 70, why even bother? Why not buy? Why not get involved in crowdfunding or, or, or mm-hmm. some sort of private real estate investment where you can actually have some cash flow and start using it to pay the bills or use it to save more money? That sounds like a much more both practical and fun approach to yeah. building wealth. Well, I thought for sure one of those tips was going to be to go to futuremoneytrends.com and sign up for the weekly wealth you, tip you summary. You me on a silver platter. You even like put the butter all over and I just whip. But So yes, of course, go to futuremoneytrends.com. I have my personal finance letter, uh, yeah. which is free. It's a weekly wealth digest. So each week I'm either sharing things that I've been through within the world of investing and, and wealth or I'm sharing ideas that I may have just picked up or things that I may just start to be investing in. I love that. It's, and it's, again, it's a different perspective really on how to look at wealth building, which I think uh, a lot of the listeners here are going to resonate with that idea of look at it as something that you can go have fun right now. Once you get these income streams in place, I love all the photos and things you share on your site of your family out on vacation in different places. Cause I think, for a lot of us, that lifestyle and that time freedom is really what our goal to create is. It's all about our wealth is time. You know, people say rich is money, wealth is time, that free time, especially with your family and the people you love. Absolutely. So thank you so much for coming on. I've got one more question that I ask everybody before I let them go, and that is, what do you love most about what you do? That I'm home with my children. That's a fantastic answer. Yeah. That's uh, one of those things that we can either make the changes now to make that possible for ourselves or look back 20, 30 years from now and think, what if I'd done things differently? Yes. Very finite time we have. Absolutely. So thanks so much, Daniel, for coming on today and, and chatting for a few minutes again. For those of you listening, be sure you go to futuremoneytrends.com. There'll be a link below the video somewhere near the audio, wherever you're listening, uh, and get on that list because the best way to really learn any new skill, but especially financial skills, is to learn from people who have successfully done what you want to do. And I think going from in a bankruptcy attorney's office to millionaire status within five years absolutely qualifies as having done that thing that a lot of us are working towards. So thank you again, Daniel, for your time. Thank you. All right, those of you listening, be sure you rate, review, and subscribe to the show, and I will catch you back for another episode of The Art of Giving a Damn soon.